Welcome to the Eco News Report. I'm your host this week, Tom Wheeler, Executive Director of Epic. And on this week's show, we're talking about political environmental activism and a new group that has formed here in Humboldt County to try to force our elected officials to go further and faster when it comes to climate change and other environmental issues and to hold them accountable when they fail to do so. So I, I'm pleased to introduce Matt Simmons. Hey, Matt. Um, Haley Connors-Keith. Hello. Colin Fisk. Hi, Tom. And Caroline Griffith. Good morning. And I, I forgot to say, these are all of my friends on the Redwood Coalition for Climate Environmental Responsibility, which is a mouthful. So they go by the, the cute acronym ROCKER, R-C-C-E-R. So, so welcome to the show. Colin, I will start with you on kind of why, why ROCKER, why have this organization to try to keep our elected officials accountable and, and to try to push them to go further and faster? Sure. So the basic idea, without getting into too many technicalities, is that most of the environmental groups on the North Coast are 501c3 nonprofits, which means that they legally can't engage in politics. They can't endorse candidates. They can't come out with anything that seems to be for or against the candidate and so forth. What that means is that a lot of times the environmental movement locally has a limited ability to kind of speak out when elections come around and the limited ability to influence who gets elected and, and who doesn't. And that has been, we thought, kind of a, a weak point and, and something that we need to change as we're at a point with the climate crisis and various other issues where we really need ambitious, aggressive environmental action we need to be able to push our elected officials to do those things. And so Rocker came out of that as an idea for, for an organization that is not a 501c3 and that can engage in that political work and kind of hold elected officials accountable for their environmental actions or lack thereof. Caroline, how, how do you hold elected officials accountable for their votes? What, what are the sort of tools that Rocker envisions using to do this? Well, I, one of the main things is really just watching what they're doing. There's a lot that happens, city council meetings, board of supervisors meetings, that might not on the surface seem like it really does affect the environment, but it does. And so one of the key things that we do is really to watch how these elected officials are voting. I've worked in electoral politics in a variety of capacities, and I can tell you that when people are running for office, they're going to say a lot of things about all the work that they're going to do. But once they're in office, that can look a lot different. And so it is, you know, democracy is more than just elections. We have to keep watching and engaging afterwards. So part of what we do is watch how these elected officials vote on key issues and really work to push them to, to elevate the bar. We are a positive organization. We're bringing forward model policies. One thing that we've done recently is extensive comments on the climate action plan to really try to proactively push policies that are good for the community, good for the climate, and good for people. I actually, I should have admitted this at the beginning of the show. I am also a, a member of Rocker. So in addition to being the executive director of Epic, I joined Rocker for the reasons that Caroline and Colin outlined, that I am limited in my ability as the executive director here in, in overt electioneering work. And 
it is a uh, limitation on on my work here at Epic because it's hard for me to hold elected officials accountable for that reason. So if I want the board of supervisors to do something differently, I can't penalize them <laughs> using elections or, or the threat of engaging in elections if they vote the way that I, I, I don't want them to. So Matt, tell me why you joined Rocker. Why are you part of this organization? Yeah. So, you know, my day job is at Epic, like you, Tom, and I really absolutely love all the work that Epic does, but it's a, you know, it's one piece of sort of my environmentalism, right? Like a lot of environmentalism is about urbanism and is about climate and is about air pollution and, and all these other things that aren't sort of directly in Epic's wheelhouse. And Rocker gives me the ability to work on those other issues, which I really care deeply about, and to work on a, on a really local level. I mean, almost all the work we do at Rocker is at the Board of Supervisors or even more locally at city council meetings. And so as a, as a new humble transplant, I found it to be a really good way to sort of get involved in my community and connect with my, my new neighbors. I mean, I've been up here a year and a half, but I still feel like a new humble person. And so those, those are the two main reasons. Haley, what keeps you engaged in this kind of work and what are you hoping to achieve through through working with Rocker? I think it just at this moment in time, I think we all realize that after COP26, that real change is us working together in our communities and holding our elected officials accountable. And I think that is really empowering for me and just being to being able to just even show up for city council meetings or sending emails and just saying like, hey, this is this is either not okay or this needs to change. And that kind of gives me a sense of, or just like passion for what I feel called to do. I think back in 2020 last year, something that Rocker does is we have hosted the Climate Pledge for candidates last year. And I kind of, asked one of the questions uh, to the elected candidates for office, for local office, and on behalf of a 350 and climate-related topic. And I think that was also just empowering to hear just different people's perspectives. And it's like, we have this climate pledge and just a little bit about that. We have it on our website, but just asking local elected officials and candidates for local office to pledge to be climate champions. And so we had about 12 candidates sign last fall. And basically it's a pledge to promote strategies to reduce greenhouse gases and also support equitable economic opportunities. And actually elected officials can still sign the climate pledge now. And so I think that that's just something that we've created for those that really want to elect officials to make an effort in our community to do that. And I think that we have everybody now on the Arcata City Council has signed the climate pledge. So we have yeah. Sarah Schaefer, Emily Grace Goldstein, Stacey Atkins Salazar, Meredith Matthews, and Brett Watson have all signed the climate pledge. Scott Bauer and Leslie Castellano from the city of Eureka have also signed the climate pledge. No supervisors yet, although I'm sure that we just need to poke a little bit harder and and at least two of them will will get on board. Haley, I, I'm really glad that you brought up COP26 and climate change. I, I said that we, we need to get our elected officials to move further and faster. Can you kind of make that connection? Where do we need to get to 
as California, as Arcata, as Eureka, as the North Coast. And and what is why is that? What was the timeline to do so? What what are what are the, the deadlines that climate change is imposing on us to to make real and substantial change to our economy and to our our climate? You know, those are all really big questions. I think, like with our regional California Climate Action Plan coming out, we've all have taken a look at that and made some comments. But how I see it is, is we just need to act immediately and as quickly as possible, really. I mean, to cut emissions. And that's basically the bottom line is we need to stop. We need to stop fossil fuels. That's kind of the bottom line, one of the main big ones and how that has to do with our transportation. And that's one of the biggest emitters in our county and as well as in in California, too. So just act as immediately as possible. Uh, I don't know if anyone wants to add on that as well. but Yeah, I was going to just jump in and say, since transportation is the largest source of greenhouse gas emissions in Humboldt, the solutions for reducing those emissions are mostly local government solutions, right? It's putting in more bike lanes, making more electric vehicle chargers available to the public, reducing VMT by changing where people are allowed to live. VMT being vehicle miles traveled. So how how far a, a person usually has to travel to to sustain themselves, to go to work, to go to the grocery store and whatnot. Right. Sorry, I'm, I'm very deep in the acronym world sometimes. But all of those changes are changes that can most easily be made at the local level. And so this is really work that it's going to take local activists talking to their city councils and their board of supervisors to change. And I think Rocker is trying to do that here in Humboldt. Well, let's let's talk about this model complete streets policy that Rocker has developed Colin, do you, do you want to talk about this and what you're hoping to accomplish and how this shows the, the type of work that you think Rocker will continue to do in the future? Yeah, so I think one of the issues, as Haley mentioned, is there's this need for urgent action. And, and Matt highlighted how that is especially true at the local level. I think, I guess... To put it in a positive light, we're at a point where luckily around here, there's not too many things that we're having to fight against, but at the same time, there aren't as many things as we would like (laughs) that we can support either. There's not as ambitious and as aggressive climate action and, and other environmental actions as we'd like to see. So one of our strategies is to put forward examples model ordinances and policies and resolutions that local governments can adopt that sort of makes it easy to take these steps that need to be taken. And because transportation is, as Matt said, the biggest local source of greenhouse gas emissions, the first one that we put together is focused on transportation. And it's basically a policy that local governments can adopt that says that whenever they do any kind of project on a street or a road, whether it's as simple as repaving or as major as building an entirely new facility, that they will do, they will add into that any kind of complete streets features that are at all feasible, which means features that are focused on enabling walking and biking and transit to be safe and efficient and and convenient. So basically what it does is currently, sometimes those things are considered by local governments 
but it's sort of considered to be an add-on to, to a routine maintenance project if they consider it at all. And this sort of flips the tables on that and says, instead of, instead of starting with the base project and maybe considering whether to add facilities for low-carbon transportation, it says, you're going to add low-carbon transportation features unless there's a compelling reason that you can't. And so that's basically the idea. And I'm, I'm happy to say that the city of Arcata is currently in the process of, of reviewing and considering adoption of it. And at a recent city council meeting, city council member Natalie Arroyo in Eureka also suggested that she'd like to see the city of Eureka adopt a similar ordinance. So we're hopeful to see something move forward there as well. Caroline, I know that you are working on a petition related to housing in Humboldt County. So this this is another solution to climate change and to create a more just and equitable North Coast is to have good housing that is located in good areas. Can you talk about the petition and how it relates to kind of Rocker's larger vision of what is needed in our community? Absolutely. And I think another thing that's exciting about this is that it is, it's positive. This is building things. We are in a, we've talked about the climate crisis, but we also have a housing crisis in Humboldt County. We really just don't have enough housing at any income level. So we have a desperate need for development. And so the petition we have is calling on the county and seven incorporated cities of Humboldt County to prioritize developing housing in urban areas, in transit-friendly, people-friendly areas to not only provide housing and solve this housing crisis, but to make those changes to our cities to help with, to reduce the emissions from transportation. So kind of like the parking lot housing developments that have been proposed in Eureka, you know, it's a good example of getting not only deterring driving by putting something more productive in those spaces where we would just house cars, where we can actually house people, but having it in locations where people can walk to services, where there is transit around. This is coupled with complete streets policies. Then we also have options for safe biking and walking in those areas. So this is really one of those like feeding, feeding two birds with one hand and really moving positively into the future. I like it. And addressing our housing crisis is going to be really important here on the North Coast. We have the climate, we have the water, we are going to, we already are seeing climate refugees coming into Humboldt County who've come from Paradise, who've come from Santa Rosa, who've had their houses burned. A friend's mother, her house burned this last summer in a fire, and now she is looking to purchase in Humboldt County, but is struggling to find a place because we haven't built enough housing here in Humble County. And, you know, if we if we don't appropriately locate housing inside our urban areas, the charm of Humble County, the kind of rural nature of this area is going to be lost because the easiest, cheapest way for us to put in housing is to put in sprawling subdivisions out in the hinterlands, out in, in the sticks. And it's not good for our climate. It's not good for community building. So I, I, I'm really encouraged by Rocker's work here on, on trying to address housing. And a lot of people might not recognize housing as, as a traditional environmental issue. So it, it's good to square that circle, whatever that expression is. You're listening to the Eco News Report. We're talking about political environmental activism and a new group that has formed here in Humboldt County to try to force our elected officials to go further and faster when it comes to climate change and other environmental issues and to hold them accountable when they fail to do so. 
Matt, I, I know that you often haunt Arcata City Council meetings. You you are the the spectator specter haunting the Arcata City Council, and you recently scored a win related to funding decisions for the city. Can you explain what's going on there and, and how Rocker played a role? Yeah. So because of the pandemic, the federal government sent a lot of money out to local governments in order to help them deal with the impacts of the pandemic. It's called ARPA funds. And this is an acronym that I think it's American Rescue Plan A, but I, I actually don't know what the A is. Um, awesome. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Sorry. I, if anyone knows, please let me know. But I, I've only been calling it the ARPA funds. Anyway. Uh, yeah, probably act. Um, so, <laughs> sorry. Um, so Arcata received uh, a considerable amount of ARPA funds and then ended up not actually needing it. There was, there was more money than Arcata needed to deal directly with the pandemic. And so the Arcata City Council is left with the decision of what to do with the excess funds, right? And the way these, the grant was written, the way the funding was written, it's pretty broad what you can do with these funds. And so uh, me and some other members of Rocker attended Arcata City Council meetings and encouraged them to spend the money on climate adaptation and climate resilience and changes to Arcata that will help, help us meet the coming crisis and help us avoid some of the coming crisis if we can. And after hearing from Rocker, they designated $500,000 of the ARPA funds for climate projects. And Arcata City Council is still deciding exactly how that money will be spent. They've delegated the Energy Committee to come up with some proposals. And I attended the last Energy Committee meeting, and they've got a lot of interesting ones on the table, including additional electric vehicle charging infrastructure, sending out electric heat pumps to low-income members of our community so that you can heat your home without burning natural gas. There are other proposals, but basically this is a, a good win and it, it's possible because Rocker was there advocating for it at the city council level. Awesome. I, I like that. And I, I like that Rocker is already showing results. How old is, is Rocker? How long have y'all been meeting and scheming and changing the world? Colin? Still trying to maintain that journalistic distance there, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is the Eco News Report. If, if anyone thinks that this is objective reporting, it is not. This is my soapbox where I get to peddle propaganda into the world. So let it be known. Well, on that, on that note, we've been, <laughs> we sort of officially formed in, I think, May of this year, but we've been meeting and chatting and scheming for a little bit longer than that. So, but, but it's a new organization. And so I, I do think it's important to note some of these wins that we've seen, including the one that Matt talked about. We also were able to put some pressure on to ensure that the upcoming climate action plan for the Humboldt County region is what they call qualified, meaning that it actually is ambitious enough to meet state targets. So that's that's happening, it seems. And that was thanks to our, our activism, at least in part. So it, it's been a short time, but, but I think we've done a lot with it. And folks can't see us here. We're, we're, we're meeting by Zoom, but I, I can tell you that this is a young organization. We are millennials and, and Gen Z folk here at Rocker, which I, I want to 
point out just because a lot of the traditional environmental movement doesn't really look like us. It It is often older folks from our parents' generation who were the ones who started these organizations that a lot of us work for. And so something that's exciting to me about Rocker is our ability to have something that's resonant with a different generation to try to bring more people of our age group and get them active and involved in politics and and show them that politics is not just a corrupting, sad thing that we should all be depressed about, but that we can actually achieve real change and that we can start to build the world that we want to live in. Caroline. Well, something that you said earlier, Tom, I think is indicative of us as an organization and the new generation of this sort of organizing. When you said that people don't see housing as a typical like environmentalist issue. And I think that that is something that our generations see so much more interconnection with all of these different things that it's not just we're not just talking about logging. We're not just talking about birds. We're not just talking about air. These are all connected together. And every single one of our actions as a community affects these things, which I think very much millennials and Gen Z, we see that. And we realize that the way that we live has a profound effect on the environment and on the climate. And that the way that our governments plan, and especially like small city governments, the way that we plan to live has a profound effect. So we need to be able to influence that. So and in that way, I, I really appreciate the way that we are moving into this next generation and seeing that like we're not isolated as, as humans or as, as activists or these issues are not isolated. They're all part of a larger thing. So let's talk about how other folks can get engaged with Rocker because we want to build this out into a, a larger movement of people who care about building both a just economy and a green economy, a, a place where we all thrive and our planet also thrives. So where can people find out more information about Rocker? First, that's the easy one. Haley, do you want to direct folks to, to Rocker? Yeah. And yeah, just to piggyback off of kind of what Carolyn said, I think just us all realizing that everything, all these issues we face are interconnected and we really want to amplify the voices of marginalized communities, which have often experienced more severe environmental impact because of lack of representation. And so Tom asked how you can get involved. Like if there's a change that you want to see, we want to hear from you and uplift your voice. And so you can check us out our website at www.rccer.com to get in touch with us. And yeah, www.rccer.com. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. And there's always room on the the rocker board. So the, the five of us here are on the rocker board and we need more help. We we need to to strengthen our organization. So this is also a call for recruits. If if the intersection of environmentalism and electoral politics are exciting to you, come on down. We we meet weekly by Zoom and we would love to have other folks, other voices join the conversation and and join Rocker. So we don't we don't want this to be a, a small tent. This is this is our attempt to make a big splash in Humble County politics. So Haley and others have mentioned Rocker's work on the climate action plan. So so first, Colin, can you tell us a little bit about the climate action plan and why Rocker thought it was important to have a qualified climate action plan 
And then we can get into briefly our impression of the climate action plan and how we intend to use it as an organization. Yeah, so the climate action plan is basically a framework for what local governments are going to do to address the climate crisis. And the reason that it's important that it be quote unquote qualified is that otherwise it would be sort of just another planning document that didn't have any regulatory authority. But if it's qualified, what that means is that it meets the state targets. So it means that our local governments are contributing equally towards, towards meeting the state goals for reduction of greenhouse gas emissions, which are basically the minimum that we should be doing. And as a result of that, it allows some streamlining of the CEQA process, the environmental review process for new projects, if they are consistent with the climate action plan. But in order to maintain that, it has some regulatory teeth. So it says it has to be basically revisited and the local governments have to ensure that they are, in fact, reducing greenhouse gas emissions in line with the targets in order for it to continue to meet this legal standard. So basically, the reason it's so important is ensuring that it has real authority and real accountability built into it. Yeah, so I think it is important that we were able to advocate for it, advocate successfully for the local governments to adopt that uh, that goal of having a qualified climate action plan. Haley, I know that Rocker was provided a rough draft copy of this climate action plan and we submitted comments on it. Can you tell us, kind of generally summarize what what you thought, what Rocker thought of this climate action plan? Yeah. Well, I think generally we were in support of the plan itself, but that we, as Colin mentioned, that we thought it could be strengthened by just also quantifying some of the co-benefits from active transportation and pollution reduction. And we, we like, as also Colin mentioned, that it could be consistent with other regional planning documents as such, but we definitely went through each section to give general feedback. Specifically, we focused on the, or I focused on the electrification and decarbonization. Yeah, I don't know if anyone else wants to add on that. Matt, I know you, you did a, a, a good amount on the natural and working land section. And any additions? Yeah, I, the, uh, <laughs> it was, the that section folks. was pretty disappointing. <laughs> The the timber industry has some sort of set talking points that I've now read and documents from city level documents all the way up to the federal government about how cutting down trees is good for the planet, actually, because you store the carbon in the wood products. And this is just nonsense. And I, I cannot emphasize enough how much this is nonsense. But it's in all these documents because people want to believe that cutting down trees is good for the environment, I guess. And so that was in there. And we commented on how it's nonsense, which I'm happy to do every time they bring it up because I, I won't stop banging my, my fist against the wall every time they do this. It, it starts with your fist and then they keep doing it. And eventually it's going to be your head against the wall. That's 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 usually <laughs> right. the pattern. All right. Well, I'd like to thank my guests, Matt, Haley, Colin, and Caroline from Rocker, the Redwood Coalition for Climate and Environmental Responsibility. Check them out at rccer.com 
or they also have a Facebook page, but I think I'm in charge of posting things to the Facebook page and it's a little bit empty at the moment. So maybe don't check us out there. This has been another issue of the Eco News Report. Join us on this Heaven channel next week for more environmental news from the North Coast of California.